This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is sponsored by Acronis. Your files, photos, and documents are probably worth more to you than your computer. You'll eventually lose data due to hardware failure or accidental deletion. It's just the way of life. So do you have a rock-solid plan to recover your stuff when it's lost? Are you okay with losing your stuff? World Backup Day is March 31st, and Acronis True Image is offering a free bonus license of its award-winning backup solution. You can protect two computers for the price of one. So visit trueimage.com walt to learn about Acronis's bonus license deal. Hello, and welcome to Control Watt Delete, the increasingly cranky podcast from The Verge. <laughs> I am Neil Apatow, the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, the executive editor of The Verge and co-founder of Recode, uh, Walt Mossberg. Hey, Walt. How's it going, man? Uh, well, it's going all right, Neil, but I have two questions. Yes. The first question is, is World Backup Day a Vox Media holiday? Yeah, where everyone's taking the day off to back up I can up take the day off, right? To back up <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take the day off and back everything up. <laughs> and it takes uh, like a day, you know, so yeah. that's good, you know. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so that's World Backup Day. And my second question yeah. is, where did you get that particularly clever description of our podcast? That was a tweet that was sent to me by uh, a listener. Really? Jean-Paul Desiege, if I'm uh-huh. pronouncing that correctly. And uh, uh-huh. that's what I've decided. We're going to start... If you tweeted us with something for me to say at the beginning of the show, I will happily read it because that is way more fun than coming up with them on my own. Uh-huh. So tweet at us after the show and we will uh, we'll start reading those and start And start if he won't read out. it, I'll read it. So there you go. <laughs> Eventually, the show is just going to be us introducing the show in increasingly with all of our way. favorite, whatever makes us laugh, the people tweet in. You know? I love it. No, it's great. Um, anyhow. So, Walt, we have we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh-huh. Uh, in the column this week, you reviewed the iPhone SE and the, I, the littler iPad Pro, the 9.7, uh, uh-huh. sort of all in one go. Uh, and then we are literally minutes ago, Microsoft's build keynote ended, uh, where Sachin Adela basically talked about how messaging bots are going to run the world for right. two hours straight. Uh, and I... I want to talk about the, your column, and I, I have your original iPad review here, because you said in this review... It might might actually be able to replace your laptop. So I want to talk about all that. Um, so we should get into that. But I, I do want to I want, I want to touch on build a little bit because it it seems like what the big companies in tech who didn't win in mobile that the way Google and Apple won are they're moving on to the next thing. And I think that's really exciting. But let's start with the phone. Let's do a little bit on the phone. iPhone SE. What'd you think? Well, I like it. I'm, I mean, I like it a lot. Uh, I said in the column that I, you know, any anyone who has been hanging on to their five series phone, basically, that's the iPhone five, five S, five C, because they like the 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 size of the four inch screen. As you've pointed out, it isn't so much the screen, and they they hate the idea of any more screen, but they like the size of that body and the shape of it yeah. and the feel of it. Uh, those people, um, I can. After testing the thing, I can clearly recommend that they upgrade to it. It is wicked fast. It is got a great camera. I mean, it really, with a few exceptions that that I think are tolerable, uh, it's um, it's top of the line Apple phone technology in the four inch screen size, and it's also. 
399 which is almost a mid-range phone for them or it is a mid-range phone for them right you got to remember that when they bring out when they brought out the 6s with this basically the same innards uh, last fall it was 670 i mean that was the total price if you paid all your installments and um it's still about six fifty or six forty uh, if you if you looked it up today, and this is three ninety nine. Now, granted, we have to use our do our usual trope. It has sixteen gigs to start with, and that's too little. But um, even if you upgraded it, it's still a, a very good bargain. And so I, I like the uh, I like the iPhone SE, and I know personally of two people, one of whom is my wife. Who, are, who had been refusing to upgrade and now are going to upgrade to this. Yeah, and I, 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 I can't think of a better phone at $399. It's, it's actually kind of tough. I mean, you're looking at that price point at mid-range phones with mid-range specs, which generally means slower processors, weaker cameras, so on and so forth. Here you've got all the specs of the 6S and the smaller body. Um, so if, you're in, if that's your price point, it feels like this is a phone to buy. What is curious to me, though, is that they didn't do any design changes to it. And that that is, for Apple, I don't know. It, it just, I mean, they, you know, they put out the MacBook every year. It looks the same. But, like, for their phones, they always drive these big purchase cycles um, by changing the way it looks. And they just didn't do it. And they've had an f- iPhone 5 in the market for three, four years now that looks like this. It's very curious. Do you have any, any insight into that? Yeah, I mean, I talked to them uh, about it uh as did our colleagues, yeah. uh, Dieter Bone and Lauren Good. We, we we were the Verge team there, and we did do, we did talk to them about it. And I think there are two. There were two reasons. One is, again, people who have been holding on to this uh, like it. So part of them, part of their thinking was, well, they like this. They, they, they like the size. They like the design. They like the way it feels in their hand. They like it. Secondly. And maybe more importantly, they did not have to invest in new tooling of any kind, and that let them cut 50 bucks or so off the price of the 5S, which, which, was, which had much, much lower specs than this. That's, the 5S was, was 450 I think, uh, before this. So they could sell this thing with better specs. Fifty dollars left less because they didn't have to do new tooling and a new case design and all that, and they could fit. All, they discovered they could fit almost everything in, right? Uh, uh, with a few exceptions. One, probably the biggest exception, as a practical matter for people, is that the front-facing uh, camera is 1.2 megapixels, which is the same as the five series but not the 5 megapixel one that's in the 6s and they claimed that, that was a space issue with the putting the bigger sensor in but otherwise why do new tooling i mean they're 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 clearly playing to people who loved this phone and so that that's my best answer as to why they didn't bother to do a redesign that and and, and price yeah i mean i i think to me it it speaks more to price and i think the and we i think we'll end up talking about this with the ipad probably far more um they are at a place where the market is not moving, right? The people, particularly in the United States, who have a smartphone or the people who have a smartphone. And there's not 
an enormous extra amount of market share. To, you can't just increase the size of the whole pie. So they need to start biting other little pieces of it, and they need to actually direct their product lines at people. And I think the number here was as much about price as it was about screen size and form factor. They needed to hit this price. At least that's a sense I get. Yeah, right? no, They're well, segmenting I, their product line. Yes, I agree. And it's uh, I, as I mentioned in the column toward the very end, those of you who don't get to the very end miss this. Um, I'm watching you. It's just, just know we know if, which of you don't scroll. All the we way. do. We have those <laughs> analytics. <laughs> this this move reminds me very much of the iPod. Um, they you know a- after the iPod had become a big hit and they had like seventy percent of the market. I don't think they ever stopped having seventy percent of that market of pure music and later music photo video players. Um, they 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 segmented it out. There, there was a point where, and I can remember talking to Steve Jobs about it. He was very proud of it. They they had one. The shuffle was which has, doesn't have a screen was like seventy nine maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and then they all went all the way up. I think we talked about this actually in yeah. a podcast recently. They went all all, all the way up to four hundred or four fifty or whatever they they charge for the big. Uh, uh, iPod with uh, 160 gigabytes, so um, in like $50 increments. So you know they're not quite there on the phone, and they may never be there on the phone. But they they do wanna they they realize, and I know this for a fact. They realize that there are the in at least in the developed markets, they there's only all the growth has to come from upgraders or switchers mm-hmm. from Android or Windows Phone. I don't know how many. Yeah, possible switchers there are from Windows Phone, but you know there's a lot of people on Android, and a lot of those people um, some love Android and would never consider switching. But the fact is, you can be in the Google ecosystem on an iPhone. You and I both are, and so you're not giving that up necessarily. And a lot of those Android owners um, went there for price reasons. So three, you know. A mid-range Android phone might be more like 300 not 399 but yeah. like you said, the specs on this, it's hard for me to think of a phone in that range with these kind of specs. Yeah, so exactly. that's what they're doing. That's what they're looking for. It, it seems smart. I just – I was not a big phone believer for a long time, and then I got a big phone, and it, it became blindingly clear to me that more screen is actually good. It's like a – it's just an unqualified good. Having more screen on a phone, there are very few – battery life maybe is the only drawback – and the package size the iPhone had to increase to accommodate the screen, but then you see competitors, like particularly Samsung, you know, do stuff to reduce overall package size while increasing the size of the screen. That that is the next step for the smaller phone. If they if they really and truly believe that people want a smaller phone, they have to iterate the smaller phone so that the screen size gets bigger, but the the phone itself stays small. That probably is the next step. I don't want to discuss their package, actually, but <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the next step, and and right, that actually applies across, <laughs> that actually applies. <laughs> Control Watalit, the yeah. well packaged podcast. Um, that applies across their line and across everybody's line. I mean, the more you can eliminate big bezels and figure out ways yeah. to pack a bigger screen into a smaller overall footprint, um, the better off you are. And um, 
I think that is the next step. But yeah. um, and in fact, I said in a column a couple of weeks ago uh, that the, that's something they ought to do in the next big iPhone release. Yeah. So we'll see. But I, so just to finish up on the SE, because we have a, other things to talk about, I, I think it's an unqualified uh, plus, uh, not just for the company, but for a significant minority of users. I don't know what that minority is. I've seen estimates of 20%, 25% that didn't go and upgrade to the bigger size. And it's fine. The world is made up of all kinds of people. You, I would not move back from the 4.7-inch iPhone I have. And you you have the big one. You have the Plus, right? I have the Plus. So you wouldn't move back from that? There's no way. I tried. I, you know, I, I, they, I have an SE. I, I got one from Apple, and uh, I played with it for a day. And I I got to say, I couldn't use it, basically. Uh, I was like, this is too small. It's it's ridiculous. I can't I can't even see all my email on it, um, and then I couldn't even think of anything smart to say about it. Like it was it was well. I I think I did. Yeah, I know you did. I'm saying I, <laughs> the, the reason I haven't produced anything about the SE is it it is the, it is a phone that people are familiar with. I think it's actually. I mean, I, I found myself uh, not lusting after. I'm not ordering it. I'm not buying yeah. it. Um, I'm sticking with my success, which I really like, but. Um, but I did find myself slipping back into the familiar feeling of. I mean, it just it it just feels good, and it's and it's it just feels it's crazy because it has the same uh, CPU and GPU, yeah. and yet it just feels faster. And I <laughs> I think it's partly it's for two reasons. One is the last time I picked up and for more than a minute a phone that size, it was much slower phone, and so it's very striking. That, that it's so fluid and fast. And secondly, um, it's just moving fewer pixels on the screen. The same processor and the same GPU are moving fewer pixels on the screen. So maybe it's an illusion or maybe it's real, but it just feels wicked fast. And I think yeah. I think it's, an, it's if, if you are, have a 5, a 5S or 5C, you will adore the SE. That's all I would say. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think... There's a, a part of me that has always believed the, the iPhone 6 and 6S are just not beautiful products. I mean, they're fine, right? The 5 is of that iPhone 4 lineage, which the iPhone 4 to me is one of the most beautiful tech products ever made. And so I, I get what you're saying. You hold it. You're like, oh, this feels great. It it has a um, it has character. It has a personality. I, I, we, I, don't think, I don't think either model of the 6 has any particular well, personality. Well, I'm not as down on the six is you but i do think on the looks of the six but uh series but um you know there are rumors that the seven or the i don't know seven or the eight or which one yeah. the rumors refer to are going to go back to that uh yeah that older uh look um hope they and, and we'll see what happens so that's right. the phone that's the phone yeah whatever the phone's boring let's talk about the ipad because the ipad is <laughs> super interesting to me yeah, it is. Um, it is really. It is super interesting. So uh, you've got one. You did a review. Dieter's got one. I actually have one too. I've been playing with it. Um, and then, you know, I think I, I've said this on the podcast hundred times. Um, our creative director James uses one every day. So iPads all around. Um, did the did the reviews? Um, uh, I, I'll tell the audience. Last night I was editing Walt's review, and he insisted that I was an old man stuck in my ways <laughs> several times. <laughs> uh, because it's true. Walt, so Dieter sitting next to me finishing his review while I'm editing Walt's, or uh, having this like multi 
party conversation with the iPad. Um, Dieter's whole thing is this is so close to what he wants, um, but he's lacking a little bit of flexibility. As I, we should power. point out, so close to what he wants as a laptop replacement. As a la- as a laptop replacement, and, and we had right. a long conversation about how it is a spectacular iPad. Right. If you think of the iPad as a tablet, sort of in the middle, and if you watch Dieter's video, he actually does a, a what I think is like a brilliantly edited callback. He and our director Max did this. Uh, they call back to the original Steve Jobs introduction of the iPad. Yeah, where question, he's, he's saying it, it's in the middle. In the middle, yeah. Right. What what happens here? And Dieter says, if you think this is the box, then this is the best product that has ever gone in this box. But Apple yeah. is now saying it's supposed to replace your laptop. And if you think of it as that box, then this doesn't quite hit the mark. On the flip side, which I and I think you say the same thing, but in a, it, from a radically different perspective, which is you were like, if I had a better hardware keyboard, which a third party will undoubtedly make, and a few of my key apps did what I wanted them to do, then this absolutely would replace my laptop. Yeah, and so so I think that's absolutely. First of all, we should explain that there are times when. Somebody else, somebody you know does the, kind of the official Verge review, and then I do yeah. the uh, official <laughs> Mossberg <laughs> review. Yeah, because there have been official Mossberg reviews for a long time, so I keep doing them, and yeah. um, and we love them, and it's great. Uh, yeah. And sometimes they're different, uh, although actually not that often. Uh, but they have sort of they're written in a different way, and they have a different perspective. And so this is one of those times, and but we don't coordinate. I mean, you know, Dieter and I, uh, uh, he 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 sent me a comment at one point saying, "I I really I can't believe how good this keyboard is for nine point seven, and mm-hmm. remind me what you didn't like about it last time." And I did, but that that's kind of the extent of it. Right. So I I did not write my uh, and I write my calm pretty close to the last minute so yes <laughs> yes he does everyone <laughs> well you're kind of an old man and i'm putting a burden on you i know i'm sorry um god it's fine I, I make wall wait until last minute to get my edits back so that's where true. it's a it's a truly passive aggressive <laughs> relationship <laughs> um so uh, we didn't coordinate, but we we came. I would say we came out essentially the same place. But you're right with a different emphasis. So here's the deal: <clears throat> I think it's completely legitimate to not worry about Apple or, for that matter, Microsoft's claims that a tablet can replace your laptop. I think if you like your iPad, if you, even if you're just using it to consume media, mm-hmm. this is an enormous improvement. Uh, it is, I mean, e- e, you know, even something like the speakers. And yeah. they now have four speakers that automatically uh, adjust if you're in portrait mode versus landscape mode. And, you know, uh, and they just the sheer volume on them is much better. The screen is noticeably better. And I'm not even talking about the one kind of new technology they put in, which is it's called True Tone, which I can explain if yeah. you're interested. But... Uh, just in terms of the vividness of the screen and the color gamut and the the lack of reflectivity, it's not there's not no reflectivity, but it's I think they said it was forty percent less reflective than the iPad Air two. So just as a pure iPad, it's a big improvement, and um, it starts at thirty two, which is mm-hmm. still not a lot, but better than sixteen. Of course, the price 
is, I mean, to Apple, 16 gig, gigabytes of RAM is worth 100 bucks. So the price, which has always been the case with them, so the price starts at 599 instead of 499 but you do get 32 And I think even if you didn't care about a keyboard or a stylus, this is the first standard-sized iPad that has that special connector, which Apple's keyboard and other people's keyboards and maybe other kinds of attachments will be able to go into. They also have some dongles they're selling, and other people will, I'm sure, do more of those that do give you real USB ports and SD card readers and things like that. So um, this is objectively to me a much better iPad and a worthy upgrade, particularly Maybe not if you have the Air 2. It's be- to me, it's better than the Air 2 significantly. It's the same – by the way, it's the same weight and dimensions as the Air 2. Yeah. Uh, which is very light and very thin. But um, but if you have an Air or certainly anything older than that, this is, this is a giant change. Yeah. So that's one way of thinking of it. And I think there it's a it's a it's a big win. It's you know I I was I found the 13 inch one they brought out uh, too heavy and too bulky to use comfortably, even before we consider the keyboard and and whatever. I think it was mostly for graphics folks um, and for enterprise. And um, I think this is now we're in the mainstream with this. Well, the way I think about it is this. Uh, They did the iPad 2, and that's the one that they can't get people to upgrade from. (laughs) Like, fundamentally, they can't get people. Like, that is the big chunk of the iPad market, and they still need people to leave. Because that that's the one where they cut it to about a pound from about a pound and a half almost. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's like one of those products. It's like a brilliant product. The first iPad was great. The iPad 2 was like they raced ahead of where everybody even thought they could go. Um, fine. But when I had an iPad 2 and the iPad 3 came out, and I think the iPad 3 was the worst iPad. It was heavier. It was heavier. It's because the they, went, they went to a retina screen they went and to they could figure, figure out a way I, to – not make it heavier. I was like, I gotta get, I have to have a better screen. Fundamentally, I was like, I have to have a better screen. And then the Air came out, and it was the same screen, and it was a little faster, whatever. Then the Air 2 came out, and they laminated the screen, and I was like, I gotta get a better screen. And that, to me, the thing that this has that every other iPad doesn't have is yet a better screen. And if an iPad is anything, it is, the, the experience of using it is the experience of like looking at that screen and interacting with that screen. And between True Tone, which we should maybe explain for five seconds, um, and the lesser reflectivity and the wider color gamut, it is the best screen that I look at on a daily basis on any device that I own. I agree. I was about to say say the same thing. The iPad has always been by far the best tablet. I don't understand. I think every company makes major mistakes, including Apple, one of Google's major mistakes, I think, has been not to emphasize tablets and not to encourage tablet-specific apps. Apple now has a million of them, yeah. and we and, and we'll that factors factors into the next thing we're going to talk about is which is laptop replacement. But mm-hmm. let me just explain True Tone for a minute. Not only is the screen all those things I described, and it, it's a fantastic screen. But it now has this thing called True Tone, which I imagine they'll spread throughout their other products. And what that means is lots of devices going back years have had this uh, automatic brightness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It looks at the ambient brightness 
and it just if you allow it to it it will set the brightness appropriately which can save battery and so forth this has that but now it has an additional thing which you can opt in or out of which is called true tone which not only looks at the brightness based on the, where you are and uh, the ambient conditions, but actually sets the whole warmth and temperature of the screen a color uh, palette to be appropriate for where you are. I don't know that it does anything for battery life, but I can tell you that I, I was like, I don't notice anything. And then I turned it off. Ten. And the whole thing became this glaringly bright bluish white which i've been staring at forever yeah all of and us. not thinking anything of it but when you turn it on it doesn't it's not like they have another thing that people may confuse it with called night shift which is actually on all the devices because it's a software no it's update. not it's only on 64-bit devices so okay. all right it's, I, it's I, not I many many of the devices i do not understand why you need a 64-bit processor to turn the screen slightly yellow but there it is i don't either but i love um, night shift by the way do you have yeah me too night shift is night shift is great it puts a kind of yellowish tone on it so it's presumably they're very careful they always say may help you sleep better because they don't know nobody really knows for sure but there is this theory that the blue the the bluish more ultraviolet uh type uh um colors coming a light coming off not just an iPad, but any device uh, yeah. when you're uh, in bed reading and you know, trying to go to sleep uh, actually triggers something in the brain that that keeps you awake. So they've eliminated that or almost eliminated that with this night shift. But this true tone is a different thing. It's on all the time if you turn it on and it operates completely independent, you know, completely automatically. And um, you, you're never, I wasn't, like conscious of oh my god this looks weird or this looks green or yellow or some other color it just looked right and uh, as as I said and I think Dieter did said the same thing essentially when you when you turn it off you realize yeah how, how kind of odd looking you know that bright bright I guess there was a time when that bright bright white screen was so awesome that. Yeah. That's what you wanted, but now you know you realize that maybe there's a better way. So, they, look, Apple has fanta- has always had fantastic screen technology. It's one of those areas where pure resolution numbers, after a certain point, like there are screens, there are people that have screens on their devices that have higher resolution numbers in PPI or yeah. in overall. And Steve Jobs used to say he invented this, and it's a marketing term, but it actually has some meaning. He invented this idea of retina displays. What he meant by that was you could you could zoom in, zoom in, and zoom in, and zoom in, and not see pixels, particularly on on uh, graphics and uh, I mean on text. And um, uh, Apple, to me, Apple screens are have always been fantastic. Yeah. So no, but so that's to me that's the reason to upgrade to this thing. It's not. The pencil. It's not the keyboard. It's I have an iPad, and the reason I want this iPad is because the screen is nicer. But I think the fact that it has that layer that can accept the pencil and that connector that can accept the keyboard are additional reasons to upgrade, whether you buy the keyboard or pencil or not, because people would use those capabilities to give you more options 
for the use of your iPad. Yeah, I, 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 I got to have... see more from this smart connector. I mean, it'd be, it's it's a keyboard. You can get a Bluetooth keyboard for the iPad I have now. People buying for they're, they're like fine, right? I, like, uh, they're fine, but they're just th- fine. But this, it, th- with this connector, which which I want to repeat because it's yeah. only fair, was originally a Microsoft idea. And still a Microsoft idea. Um, Microsoft was like, ah, that idea. Apple took it. We're done. Yeah, but they (laughs) – okay. No, I'm kidding. The point is I don't know the answer to this question, but I suspect people's ingenuity will lead them to do interesting things with that connector. There already is a Logitech one for the bigger one. I mean you can – they're going to make this. Logitech – I talked to Logitech. They're they're not ready yet with one for this size. Because Apple, of course – being Apple never tells the third-party companies enough in advance what they're doing and so forth. No, but they did with the big one. I actually thought that was really interesting with the big one. Yes, that was an exception. Yeah, but they threw Logitech a bone. Yeah. So Some here's cook. the deal. Uh, here's the other the other yeah. way to judge this: Is this a laptop replacement? And do you want to read the first couple of paragraphs of my very first iPad review? Because yeah, I have it right here. Sets this up. I have, there's another part of this that I wanted to... Uh, All right. I didn't give you this. You have it. I have it. I have it right here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll start with the second. I think I've read the first one before on this podcast. So I'm okay. read the second one. And I'll just say, uh, there's going to be some slight edits here just to put the nouns in. But here we go. First, the iPad will have to prove that it can really replace the laptop or netbook for enough common tasks enough of the time to make it a viable alternative. And that may not be easy because previous tablet computers have failed to catch on in the mass market. And the iPad lacks some of the features, such as a physical keyboard, a webcam, USB ports, and multitasking that most laptop or netbook owners have come to expect. This is March 31, 2010, while reviewing the very first iPad. Um, I, that list, apart from webcam and, and to some extent multitasking, that exists. That list is still somewhat true, right? You you have to buy the accessory keyboard. It's not just there. You know, there's something there. Well, you have to buy it at, at Microsoft too. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it, look, um, it's all to me. It's all about scenarios. It's right. not. It's not about hardware specs or this device versus that device. I, I Well, uh, let me read this one, too, because you get into scenarios in this review. So just later on in this review from 2020, first iPad, if you need to create or edit giant spreadsheets or long documents, or you have an elaborate system for organizing email, or you need to perform video chats, the iPad isn't going to cut it as your go-to device. That's, I think that speaks perfectly to what you're setting up here, which is it depends on the scenarios. It depends on the scenario. I think yeah. some of those things have changed. I mean, yesterday or uh, Monday, sorry, Monday... Uh, I had a, uh, a weekly uh, video m- chat video meeting, uh, which instead of doing on my laptop, I did on the, this iPad Pro, and yeah. it was fine. It was it was great uh, because the particular app I was using had uh, a you know had a version that was good and understood that it was on on an iPad, not a phone, and not a PC. And so it worked. It worked great. In terms of writing, when I in 2010 when I wrote that, Microsoft Office didn't exist right. uh, for the iPad. Now, frankly, Google Docs, I could use Google Docs on the iPad, and I and I did do it when when you and I were editing. I was doing that partly in uh, on the iPad instead of on the the a, a PC. And you know, there I think Google has not. There, it's actually an app instead of. Uh, 
you know, uh, instead of in the browser, and uh, they haven't used the extra space, even on the 9.7 uh, iPad, to, you know, let the comments run down the side and the and the edits run down the side, uh, which they could easily do. So uh, that's just a software thing. But yes, I can write uh, my column with that keyboard and presumably even better with keyboards I like better on this 9.7-inch iPad. And as you point out, I could have written it with a Bluetooth keyboard, but that's partly because lots of productivity apps have come out for the iPad to cover these scenarios since I wrote that a 2010 column. Right. Um, Dieter and I both said it's close, except I'm readier than Dieter because, like you, he's kind of old. Um, he tweeted that, actually. It was very funny. Uh, he tweeted that today. Um, well, Dieter is an old soul. I think we, on that, an old, we can all he's, agree. He's an old soul. Um, look, he made a lot of good points. He likes to run more than two apps at the same time. Uh, he likes to, uh, you know, he likes to be able to poke around in the system more than you can on, on an iPad. I don't. I just have a different point of view. And for the when when I said I'm, I'd be ready to ditch the laptop if certain key apps uh, got better on the iPad, I think mm-hmm. that's a very real possibility. It may be that people listening to this who have different professions than we do, yeah, um, it's just going to never happen, or it'll be years l- later that this. Could happen. Well, you know, but but you're talking about scenarios. Like here, this happened literally right before I came down to do the podcast with you. You know, we're covering build. So, and Dieter pointed this out. He's like, two apps is great, but often what I need is three. So, just you know, half an hour ago, I was in in Chrome watching the live stream of build. I had um, a, another Chrome window open. Um, to monitor our live log and like you know put the site together and then I had Slack open and I, I in order to do my job at that moment I needed three windows on the screen that couldn't couldn't live without them and that's it that's the iPad is never gonna right so it's but, not, like but that's, well, I wouldn't that's, say but that's never, not like a particularly co- like complex scenario that's just I need to mon- I need to look at three things at once yeah and I and I I'm sitting here's a counterexample yeah I'm sitting in. in, in I should point out to the listeners, I'm not the editor-in-chief, and that may be why. <laughs> You're the old editor-in-chief. Yeah. I'm and just a cigar a in my mouth. I was yelling at people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sitting in front of a, a, a 27-inch iMac, and um, I have it split as if it were two monitors, and I'm really most of the day looking at two things at once. Yeah. It could be email in the browser. It could be Twitter uh, – and the an email or Twitter in the browser, you know, whatever. Now I have a lot of other things open, and I have to take this extra step of of doing, you know, Alt Tab, Control Command Tab, and going to the next thing. So big deal. You can that's the thing. You can have twelve things open on an iPad. You just not at once. Yeah, and, but that iPad has memory, right? It only, it only has what two gigs. Ah, uh, yeah, but Apple has a very clever system for putting those apps that are in the background into kind of suspended animation when you're not using them, unless they're the kind of app that needs to be constantly updating, in which case they don't put it into suspended animation. Look, well, you're so wrong, the police are coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I hear that. I hear that. Um, 
No, I mean, so, look, it, it, so it, it is just the laptop scenarios. replacement thing is very, it's very dependent <laughs> on the police. No, it's very dependent <laughs> on your scenarios. It's yeah. about scenarios, and and I think it was interesting that Dieter, who I know to be uh, a guy who, uh, like you, has lots of multiple multitasking responsibilities, and uh, also you know loves to be in the weeds of things, is cl- as close as he is. Um, but I can actually envision – look, I can envision myself doing this because I already do a lot of productivity stuff on just my iPad Air. I don't even have an Air 2. I just have the Air. Yeah. Uh, and I do – and I or the Mini. I mean, you know, I do stuff on the iPad Mini. I am going to upgrade to this, me personally. Yeah. And uh, – you know, and I'm not going to worry about the theocracy, the theology <laughs> of is this a laptop? Yeah. It's essentially all I know is since the iPad came out, as much as I love my MacBook Air, which I think is the best laptop anyone's ever built, even today, uh, even though I think it may be on its way out, Apple doesn't say so, but I think maybe I use it less than I was using it before I got used to using the iPad. So yeah. that's just the truth. Well, you know, I'll say I um, that I think you're right about the Air, but I think you're right about the Air because the the MacBook, the smaller single port USB C MacBook, is such a good product that if they can just get a reasonable processor in there, that is the computer to buy. Yeah, and, and Dieter actually has that. MacBook. And I, I know he does. Whether or not he admits it, I think he compares every tablet laptop replacement hybrid thing against that computer because it's so small. It has it it also has a beautiful screen. He takes it everywhere. Uh and it's also a Mac. You know, and like does everything he wants it to do. Well, I, I I will tell you. Yeah. Without fear of contradiction, but I can't tell you why okay. I know this that there are significant plans to improve that small MacBook and to expand on it and to make that a much more full-fledged line. Yeah, I mean it, it it's it's so it's so on the cusp of being the computer that is, everybody. That is that is their mainstream laptop platform, I think, of the future. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know about the processor and this goes way beyond what we want to get into in this podcast because we have other things to discuss, but Part of the problem is that the latest Intel processor is has had some pushback from some of the vendors, and you know, yep. and uh, that may have coincided with them doing this. I don't know, but um, so uh, neither you'll notice neither Dieter or I said it's right now ready to replace your laptop, mm-hmm. but I but I was closer to saying so than than Dieter was, and. And I stand by that. And uh, I'm going to upgrade, and I'm going to use it probably more even than I'm using my uh, iPad now. Let me say one here. I'm going to do a ramble, and we'll see if I actually say something smart. Here. I did this last week, and it worked out. I know you enjoyed it. Uh, no, it's the laptop used to be the only computing device. Everything had to connect to a laptop. Everything had to be an extension. And by laptop, I mean desktop PC as well. But it was the most mobile one. So if you wanted to take a computer somewhere and do something with it, you ended up with a laptop. Uh, the tablet PC for a moment was a laptop in a different form factor, and you saw them pop up in different ways, and that was fine. Then you got phones, and phones could go places and do things that laptops couldn't do. And I think what's happening in the middle right now is tablets were finding out where tablet real proper tablets like the iPad that run 
tablet-optimized operating systems, they're going to go places and do things that laptops can't or shouldn't do. And there's significant overlap there. And I think fundamentally the question of is this a laptop replacement doesn't necessarily speak to is there an enormous market of things that laptops used to do that this thing will do better? And is there a further enormous market of things laptops can do that tablets should maybe never do? And I that what is interesting, and this, I, this goes right in the next thing, is the only person or the only company that's trying to figure that out is Apple. Everyone else seems to have seeded the conversation about what should laptops do that tablets shouldn't do. Microsoft is just, this product is all the same, right? And yeah. Google is basically not playing. And so Apple is the only company that's saying, what if they go in different directions? And, and first of all, that was a good ramble. I, and I didn't interrupt you. Uh, <laughs> To, to whoever it is, some it. some guy tweeted that I interrupt you. So, <laughs> actually, people have tweeted that you interrupt me, but oh, we no, didn't we interrupt, interrupt each other. other you know, um, no, that was a good ramble. I just want to add two things. Um, yeah. One is that um, there's a fundamental difference between uh, there's another fundamental difference between Apple's approach and Microsoft's approach. Microsoft has made a, 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 a tablet, the Surface Pro, which I think has very nice hardware, and. But it is a Windows laptop in tablet yeah. form. They have failed to create an ecosystem of robust tablet-type apps. And, because, and that, not just on their phones, which we all know, but, I mean, it's, it's true across the board. So when you – if you're on a plane or in a coffee shop or on the uh, – if you live on the East Coast, if you're on the Acela – Going, going between New York and Boston and Washington, and you see people with a Surface and you look, they're almost always on the old-fashioned Windows desktop. Yep. And that's because that's what it is. It's, it's a Windows laptop that happens to take the, sh- the form of a tablet. Apple is – they actually use the word modern in comparing what they're doing with Microsoft. They have a million uh, apps which – when installed on an iPad are different than when they're installed on a phone and try to take advantage of they, – they know they're on a tablet and they are tablet apps. And they are saying those kinds of apps, including Microsoft Office and a bunch of other Microsoft apps and Google apps and Amazon apps, can do things uh, that you will – that will will take care of your scenarios that you, you're currently needing a laptop for. So – that's one thing. The second thing is, frankly, when you talk privately to people at Apple, they're like, we think this can be the thing, the only thing you need. But if, you, if you'd rather buy a, Ma- a laptop, we'll sell you a Mac. But we just don't care. Just buy, an, <laughs> buy something from us at, at our usual high margins. And that's why that slide that they took some crap for – uh, about 600 million, uh, which isn't uh, – that isn't their information. That's independent information. 600 million uh, Windows PCs that are five years old or older uh, was about Windows PCs, um, not about – you know, there there are Macs out there that are they're five years old or older, probably proportionally fewer is my guess, but there are some, you know. They, they don't – They've never cared about cannibalizing themselves. So, you know. So this actually, believe it or not, this is going to segue into the. All right. So we're talking about Apple. And 
it, I think most listeners on this podcast would agree that the mobile platform war is over and there's two now that now it's just like attrition, right? Some people are going to switch from iOS to Android. Apple's going to switch some people from Android to iOS. They're trying to figure out this tablet thing, but you can't put a third mobile platform into that mix and expect to succeed. I think that's a given. I think Microsoft has tried very hard with Windows Mobile, Windows Phone, Windows 10 for mobile now. Um, the, the list of names goes on, and they, they have not been able to succeed. So what we saw today was just before the podcast, and I, I want to talk about Build because I think it's really interesting. Microsoft literally did not talk about their phone platform today at their developer, developer conference. They did one demo on an Android phone. They did one demo on an iPhone. They did one demo on a Windows phone. But the, they did that in that way to show that they no longer care about the underlying platform, that they want Windows developers to develop apps for Windows, that those services, you know, iOS developers love Azure, for example, Microsoft's cloud service. But Microsoft is now like a horizontal company that exists over the top of many platforms, and Windows is still important to them on desktop, Xbox, and now HoloLens, which is their augmented reality play. Right. So they did all that. That's great. But then, uh, I think this is the important move, they went on about messaging bots and messaging interfaces. And basically, this is all Nadella himself talked about. He said, this is conversation is the UI of the future. We're going to build Cortana, who is your intelligent voice-controlled assistant. We're going to help developers build messaging bots for their services that can talk to you on any service, whether it's Slack or Skype or whatever. And we will eventually, and not far from now, get to the place where you talk to Cortana, and then Cortana goes and talks to a bot for you, which is, that is some science fiction. When you talk to a robot and the robot goes and has a conversation with the robot and comes back to you. All of that to me seems like Okay, the mobile platform war is over. There's new layers of interface and UI and 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 uh, apps to be built, and Microsoft is aggressively going there before anybody else. Just as I think Facebook saw that their their platform play was never going to get off the ground, and they went aggressively into VR before everybody else. Is that how you saw it? What, I mean, what, what's your take on? Yeah, that? no, I, I I think that's basically right. I, I think um, I'd just be a little harsher, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think Microsoft, and this isn't Nadella's fault, um, but I think Microsoft blew, missed a gigantic uh, era of, of computing, uh, which is mobile, uh, you know, the, the phone and the tablet. I, ironically, they, they were early on the tablet, but they had the wrong approach. They tried to make it a standard PC with a stylus, and it just never took off except in some verticals, uh, which weren't wasn't enough volume to sustain it. Um, but they they taken all together, they blew it. I mean, they, at one time they had a relatively healthy mobile uh, market share in a much smaller market, and they just laughed. I, I honestly think the key turning point moment there was they laughed at the iPhone in 2007. I mean, it's very famous that Steve Ballmer, who was then the CEO, laughed at it publicly and thought it would never succeed, but it turns out they were laughing at it privately inside, and they didn't do anything. So they missed that. Yeah. And that's history. 
it's important history. And I mean, they didn't fall to pieces or anything because they still had a lot of other businesses that were valuable. I think the interim strategy has been to uh, do some of their own devices, which, by the way, no matter what you hear, even though they're more successful than they were at one point at the beginning, are still fairly small sellers compared to some somebody like um, Apple or Samsung. Uh, and um, and be cross-platform, like we were talking about. You mentioned Azure I, early in the conversation. I mentioned their Microsoft Office app for iOS, mm-hmm. which is which actually came out considerably before the one for Windows tablets. Um, so um, you know that's their interim strategy. But they had to they have to try to anticipate what the next thing is, and I think they've settled. I mean, uh, on it. And it's what you described. It's it's AI. It's it's AI and voice. Um, you know, Andy Rubin, who's the father of Android, no longer employed at Google. Uh, I interviewed him on stage last year, and 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 he said, uh, I asked him what the next big thing was. He also said AI. This is, uh, you know, I mean, Apple is buying companies in this space. They're working on it. Amazon, clearly, with what they're doing with the Alexa platform and the Echo. Uh, and Google obviously has a lot going on. It's, like I said earlier, I mean, they haven't quite, I don't know, they're not, it's not as distinctly branded as it is in yeah. the, other, the other guys, but they have it. So, you know, I think you're going to see a war uh, uh, of how good i mean it's it's a whole stack of things it's voice recognition it's natural language processing it's domain expertise for the personal assistance and now another huge important piece of the stack which is just barely getting off the ground which are bots yeah and these bots you could theoretically trigger these bots or get these bots to do things for you just with text um you know slack which you and i use uh, and many of the listeners use has bots in it, and you know there there are there are bots already. But what wouldn't it be? What Sacha Nadella was saying today is the world that we're envisioning is a world where all these things form a stack, and you start by talking to the thing via Cortana, or if you're Apple via Siri, or if you're Amazon via Alexa, and then the bot takes care of doing uh, sophisticated yeah. things for you. I think they didn't they have a demo of like booking a whole trip or yeah. something like that today. So if you're yeah, it was Mike- incredible to, 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 to walk people through the demo, it was she received a video message from somebody on Skype. The software understood his message. It said that she was going to go to a place, um, that she was going to go speak at a conference. She left a video message. She said, help me go to this conference. She said, the Cortana said, oh, the conference you're talking about with this guy then it said, I know you. I know that you have a Weston rewards card. Do you want me to talk to the Weston bot and get you a room at the Weston at this conference? Yeah. And she said yes. It showed her the hotel rooms in the chat interface. She picked one. The Weston bot said, I've booked your reservation. And then she was done. That is an incredible, and this is what, what you're saying, Walt. It's, that's an incredible stack of different technologies interfacing with each other. Yeah, uh, and, and, and the, but here's the thing. Microsoft may jump out ahead. I don't know because a demo is a long way from an actual thing. But clearly they have work going on on it or he wouldn't have made it as big a 
part of the Well, they announced their whole platform today. today. The messaging yes. bot platform. Yeah, the right. Messaging bot f- framework or something. Is. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but they would, would – I'm sure that privately they assume that Google and Apple and maybe Amazon – Facebook. I think the big one is going to be Facebook first, right? If you think about Facebook has Facebook, obviously. They have Messenger and they have WhatsApp. So they have okay. scale Sorry. already. Sorry I left them out. The only the only reason I left them out is they don't have the the top part of the stack. They don't have the sort of voice-directed personal assistant yet, but there's no reason they can't build it. Well, um, you know, what's, what's shocking to me is Apple and Google do have those, and I don't – Siri is, gets better all the time, but Siri feels like a very local experience to me. Um, they certainly, Apple did not race ahead of the bot revolution in this way. Um, and they don't allow plugins the way that Cortana now does and the Echo does, uh, or Alexa, I guess. And Google now seems to have just completely fallen off the map for Google, um, even though they seem to, they had to meet what was one of the smartest early ideas about it, which was it would proactively give you information as you, you know, and you would speak to it. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean by it's confusing. I mean, the proactive cards don't, are slightly different than the, you talk to it, because part of this is, maybe the least important part of it, but to the consumer, it's the most important, most natural part of it is you talk to it. That's what makes the bot, of the thing less alien you're talking to it and and you can talk to Google now but it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem integrated very well with those proactive cards and um, you know actually Apple has done the opposite thing they've taken a thing that was primarily voice and they now call their proactive stuff Siri even when it's not talking to you so right it's all going to meld. The thing about Apple, the difference that will always be true about Apple um, is that they're going to do as little as possible that would expose your information on the cloud, and that may tie one hand behind their back. We'll see. Yeah. No, uh, but, it, but I think you're right. I think this is, this, this is AI coming to life in a way that's been written about forever but hasn't happened and will undoubtedly provide us with – more cleverly named podcast episodes. <laughs> I'm sure. Speaking of which, we have we have gone way over time. But I did want to talk about Bill because it was so interesting today. Yeah. Anyhow, that's our show. Um, we love your feedback. You can tweet to Walt at, at Walt Mossberg. You can tweet to me at, at Reckless. We are now apparently accepting show introduction suggestions. So We are. Please tweet those to us because that's really fun. Uh, but we also just love your general questions and comments. And your, and your reward is we'll use your... Twitter handle give you credit for it. Yes, if you are interested but in the you most won't get convoluted money, you way won't, to get you, more Twitter followers <laughs> possible, you can tweet at us and we'll. You won't. You. you won't get a T-shirt. You won't get money. You won't I'm going to do anything. merch this year. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out. You I'm, keep saying that. No, no, this is like a, a this I, is a thing. I've, I've been doing merch since 2003. I mean, I I, I have so many. <laughs> All things D recode, jackets. Well, help and me out, man. Bags and you have nothing. You're, you're, you've Zero. got all this experience. I mean, I heard a rumor contact. there was a there was a Verge T-shirt. I've seen like a really worn out one once. I mean, you yeah, know, really. Look, you're 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 the one with only two apps open on your computer, man. Get on. <laughs> do I have the budget? Can I go do it? Get it done. Walt, All right, I love it. Uh, All right. Anyway, we're gonna do this. What, what's the Whether website for Patagonia it. custom? 
Oh, they're going to be really expensive. We're going to sell $400 t-shirts. It's going to be great. The finest cotton. Um, All right, now plug everything else. Plug everything else. Uh, Too embarrassed to ask. Lauren Good on the Recode Network. Recode Decode with Kara Swisher, uh, one of the best podcasts out there. Recode Media with Peter Kafka, one of my very favorites, uh, especially if you're media geek. And then on the Verge side, I host the Vergecast on Thursdays at 4.30. Which is awesome. And next week, Vergecast 200. No joke. Uh, Which is crazy. Just crazy to think about. Uh, Then there is What's Tech with Chris Plant. There is uh, Verge ESP with Emily Yoshida and Liz Lopato. That's it. And there's this podcast, which you're listening to now, which you should tell all your friends about um, and just constantly promote. Uh, And like I said, we love feedback and we love your ratings and iTunes. So give give us all those stars. And that's it. That was, uh, we went long, but I think it was a fun one. Walt, pleasure. Pleasure as always. Yep. Till next week. All right.